Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Bengal Tiger Podcast. On this Monday mailbag edition, uh, Shay, we did the last podcast from the uh, the press box, basically. <laughs> it was the uh, let's let's clarify. It was the away game radio booth, which the yes. Ole Miss people. This was well over an hour after the game. So the Ole Miss people had, had gone. Their sticky notes and their peanuts were crushed and thrown everywhere. Um, I did not see them do that, uh, but I can presume it probably gets cleaned up uh, before the next crew comes in. Uh, so it does not look like the Ole Miss radio crew had very fun, much fun during the game. But then when you tweeted that out, <clears throat> Maddie B, uh, Maddie B tweets out like a clip or whatever. Yeah. It's like a little excerpt of the podcast. And I had never looked up. <clears throat> and all of like the ceiling, uh, you know, it was the it's type of uh, ceiling, you know, where the different kind of <clears throat> blocks, what do you call them? That, yeah, the, the panels. The, yeah, so that you could push it open and get up in there to do whatever work you need to do. Uh, like literally half the panels were missing, all that. Uh, and a couple of my friends texted me like, bro, where are you? I was like, oh, we should have clarified that was not at either of our houses that neither of us just have panels missing everywhere and holes punched in the walls and so yeah but we made it work yeah we, we did clarify it at the beginning of the of the of the podcast but yes now that i'm looking at it yeah there were panels yeah, okay, so if you're looking online right now just panels missing it, it actually looks even better there i think it got worse as it went on uh there's also us illegally side broadcasting the cbs game yeah. there in the background yeah. if you wanted to watch the alabama game you could also watch Just it on clips of it uh <laughs> yeah no i thought and anyone who didn't anyone who wasn't watching the podcast after the game on saturday and just listens to it was wondering what also was happening we ever like all this espn or cbs crews were breaking down like all their equipment in the rooms around us and below us like all their wires and all that <clears throat> and one guy maddie b came in and uh, didn't say anything to interrupt the pod, uh, but went over there and was like closing out, locking up, doing wires. Then he actually just stood there for a minute or two and listened to kind of some of our takes. And then he walked out. So that was that our was, first time trying to do it on on the move. It was it was great. It was a lot better than wherever we were. We were looking around the press box like and I honestly when you had brought it up early in the season i was like yeah i mean I'm, the press box will be not empty but it'll be a lot less people there were people sprinkled around everywhere so i was like i was looking in suites and stuff trying to find rooms but we, we figured it out we figured it out so we'll go to woodward suite i'll get, make get some the calls. green light from woodward to, to let him just go to his suite and record from here on yeah, out. Ma- yeah make some calls pull some strings here come on now that's what um, we do guys to get you up the podcast immediately though yes Did yes and thank y'all thank you all for the support on that uh on that video and that post game uh we appreciate it it was um it's doing well so yeah if you enjoy the channel subscribe i'll plug it again subscribe like the video all that stuff send it to a friend but all right shay we have a good amount of mailbag questions here um i did post it a little later than usual because i went to the gym and i forgot to do it but anyways let's see let's let's get right into them do you want to read or let's see do you have them up uh, I can start out. We can rotate. We can we do a bad job of going slow at the start, and then everyone asks at the end, just get their questions yeah. like 10 second answers. So we'll try to move quickly, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Ernie Ball five. He doesn't actually ask a ton of questions in here, so he's got yeah. two out of the gate. We'll take them. Um, how much will LSU? How much will we LSU uh, beat Bama by? Okay, seriously, will the return of Dellinger mean we change the O line starting lineup again, or do they rotate him in slowly? I believe right now the odds are set at do they, Alabama. Are they out? I don't think they're out. Someone Actually, said they saw seven somewhere. Saw what? <clears throat> I saw some. Yeah, someone on the board said they posted seven somewhere, and I they got there, quickly shot down. There's no, they're they're not. No, it's not seven. But I'll, yeah. I'll I can um I guess answer the second part of that question. I think Fandle usually has. They had the future lines up. Okay, um, you look at that. I'll ask the second. I'll answer the second part. Okay, yeah. I would think that, <clears throat> excuse me, that Dellinger comes back and mind you, he had like the hand surgery or whatever it was, and then he had the cast put on. Then they immediately threw him back out there, and then he had the uh, leg injury. So a few weeks to rest, 
we've seen how much they like him because every time he's healthy, he's in the starting lineup. I'm presuming if he's healthy, he is moving right back into the starting lineup. Uh, I I don't think they'll rotate him slowly in the sense of maybe he gets rotated, but he'll start. Yeah, I agree. Also, I could not find the spread. Um, Yeah, well, still a week away. We'll see what happens. I I think Um, it's going to be around two touchdowns, more or less, give or take, depending on how much they value LSU being at home. So hate, hate, hate. Uh, Ernie Ball five again. Another, if I may, yes. Uh, who, an individual player, does the buy help the most? Kayshawn appears to be a little nicked. Um, I would think obviously Dellinger, who you're trying to get back into the fold. I would think Major Burns, who was talked about yep. as a guy who could potentially return after the bye week. So uh, those are two starters at certain point. You know, were starters when they got injured. So I would think it helps them the most. Now, I was thinking about this after the game, Matty B. I kind of think like the bye week, you know, not hurts, um, but uh, the, with the way Jaden Daniels and the offense have been clicking the last two weeks, yep. it's almost like you wish they were just playing again this weekend. Yep. I'm, I, that's, I think I wrote that something like that in my uh, recap. I was like, <clears throat> you know, they're going on a bye. It doesn't feel like they need it. It doesn't feel like they're super. Obviously, you want Dellinger back and you want Burns back at some point. You know, you want these guys 100%. Yes. But. With the way they're playing right now, and they're not overly injured. I mean, the players that are out are, you know, Hilton's out for the year. Smith is out for the year. Um, you know, you're getting some guys back. But I, I would like it if they just played Alabama next week at home and not gave Alabama – because Alabama's also on a bye. So you got yeah. two teams coming off a bye. And, yeah, LSU has really good coaching staff. I'm not doubting that they're – you know, it's going to be some sort of advantage. But still, I, they're, they're rolling. They're rolling right now. Yeah, for as long as I can remember – uh, Bam and LSU have shared that buy before the November game. So oh, I, I like um, you. <clears throat> there you go. Uh, how were uh, Texas and A&M defensively able to hold Alabama to not so many points? Realize Bam was playing with a backup quarterback against A&M, yeah. but still, uh, this is Nola Tiger, but still expected them to score more. Does LSU have a legit shot at keeping them from scoring a lot of points with the only quarterback? Or do you think we're more likely to have a shootout type of game? My initial reaction would be shootout. Like, he does bring up points there about two games. Again, Milro- when Milrose in, that is not what Bama normally looks like. No. <laughs> and if if your boy Bryce Young was hurt at Tennessee, Lord help LSU with 100% Bryce Young because that was a shootout. I would expect – I'd say I expect a shootout in a sense, but Madhouse in this defense does such a good job adjusting in-game um, and really at halftime on that that's kind of kept them from – having to be in what you would consider shootouts every week when you play really good offenses. Like Ole Miss wasn't a shootout. They just crushed them 42 yeah. to three after a hot start. So I don't know. We've got a lot of time to think about Bama. Yes. But a lot of time. I think my initial thought is everybody, when everybody expects a shootout, I expect a low scoring game. Yeah. It's always that that's always how it goes a lot of the time. Um, but yeah, the one thing that people hold on to and I'm, not getting too deep into Bama analysis here, but the obviously we watch them play just as college football fans a lot. Watch them play Texas, watch them play AM, watch them, you know, play a bunch Arkansas, play a bunch of teams. Uh, yeah. I've seen Bama play every game this year. I think I've seen all four. I was gonna quarters. say I don't think there's many Bama games that I've missed that where they've played SEC uh caliber opponents. But anyways, um the a lot of fans will go back to that Texas game and be like, well if Texas can hold them down then then LSU can and obviously this isn't the LSU team where they have Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, and all these, you know, crazy NFL receivers out there. And uh, they're just lighting up teams on the outside. Obviously, you know, they have Burton and some other guys, Jojo Earl, but they're not as dynamic, I'd say. So is there a chance LSU can maybe hold them to under like 35 or 30? Yes. But um, Bryce Young is, is just incredible. I mean, He's incredible. So I uh, we'll we'll see. But I, I think I would lean more towards like if the over under was at like seventy, that's probably what I would have at it at. It's a lot of points. A lot of points. But I think I think one team hits forty. Uh, Bama Bama shut out state this past weekend, or I guess until the final. They did shut out, yeah, they shut out state, or, state scored on the last play. Last so play. so. Uh, that's impressive. And Eli Ricks had his breakout game, so yeah. he'll be on the field for uh, LSU a little homecoming there uh russell to do you think they'll figure out a way to have harold perkins on the field for most of the bama game would that mean putting ojalari and perkins out on the edges 
or is there another good way to get him on the field? Great question. I think we got the answer to that in the second half of the Ole Miss game. And Brian Kelly, which is when Perkins and Ojolari were on the field together, Ali Gay was coming off. Um, it seemed like how Brian Kelly said Matt House addressed it at halftime of, I'm not going to sit here and keep trying to hide deficiencies. We're just going to go after him. Perkins is going to be out there and we'll see what happens. And I think that's probably what really changed the game. I mean, Ole Miss scored on the first three possessions. LSU then just sit. They were even getting pressure with three and then at four at times. But LSU was purposefully pressuring uh, Dart and the you know Ole Miss backfield a good amount. And they just looked rattled. Ole Miss couldn't do anything yeah. from there. So uh, your thoughts? I would think this means Perkins is in a – and it doesn't mean he's the middle backer, which I think everybody thought – Keep him on the field full time, moving to middle backer. No, they've adjusted to where they're just taking Ali Gay out of the game. Yeah, I mean that was the package that they went to, and that's what we talked about in the last podcast that that Michael, Michael Baskerville mentioned in in, um, in pretty good depth in the post game, uh, just how they went to that package where Perkins is kind of like a, a roving outside linebacker that can just attack, and then you have B.J. Ojolari on the other, other side, and then you have, if you have Makai Wingo playing the way he did, I know PFF rated him as the top piece defensive lineman in in the country i think for this past week um and obviously we don't watch every we didn't watch every single game so we we just knew he played well like that's all we knew but the defensive line with that lineup is the pass rush is is elite yeah no i think well cody warsham at lsu had put out that the current pff grades after this week now have wingo as the highest graded d lineman in the in the sec for the year so okay um again we don't always say that pff is gospel but you're doing something right if some sort of metrics are putting you as the best defensive lineman out there. Yeah, which... but to, to answer the question, to make sure I answered the question, but yeah, they, they had the package. I don't think they're going to start the game with that package. Like, I don't think they're going to just roll out their Perkins Ojolari as as the main package. I think they'll probably come out in their base nickel stuff, but um, we'll see how quickly they do go to it because Alabama will still spread you out a good amount. Like, it's not like they're going to be playing some – pro style offense here you're going to need you know nickel on the game jay ward in the game a lot of the time so a lot of the other front six will have to change right uh let's see um phelps 48 24 do you think major burns returning will help us defend the pass better we've had struggles with dynamic receivers i would say i don't i mean malik heath and those guys are good um you know watkins obviously a great player but I don't even know if they're elite and they were torching LSU's corners. So I think that against Bama, almost if house has taken what he learned from Ole Miss, it's pressure, 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 because the court, like in the first 20 minutes of that game, the corners played about as bad as you could play. They yeah. were getting worked. I mean, pass interferences everywhere. They were getting balls caught over the top, top of them. Uh, yeah. It was really troublesome. And that's why, in the post game, I was like hesitant to say, Oh, the defense as a whole changed. And like they did, they had this like renaissance where it was, you know, the corners were suddenly guarding them, you know, at an elite level. They just started getting pressure on Jackson Dart and really making him uncomfortable. And he missed a couple throws and they dropped a couple balls. And so, um, I mean, there was the one where the guy was running free down the right, the right hash pretty much. And Dart just missed him because he was under pressure. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be, reliant on their pass rush for the most part i think burns would help um because he is again we go look at some advanced metrics out there he's been the best safety against the pass the lsu has but um i think the corners were more concerning than the safeties in the past game and even to a degree against florida so yeah it, it is a concern for me okay okay um Drago, does JD5 come back next year? Um, in the game, Danielson had mentioned something about uh, – Gary Danielson at CBS had mentioned about JD, J- Jaden Daniels, coming back next year. Um, obviously, there's no definitive answer there, but they had production meetings during the week with, like, Kelly and Denbrock and House, and then they sat down with Ojolari and Daniels. So I think people are presuming that Danielson took something away from that conversation – to lead him to believe that Jaden Daniels would come back next year. But I don't know, too soon to know. I mean, a few weeks ago, the LSU fans were wanting a bench, which was absolutely ridiculous. Now they're thinking, can he come back? We'd love to have him back type thing. Um, just shows how much. Let another month play out. Let's see where we're at. And 
Yeah, I like talking to my. Yeah, I like talking to my friend who's a just a college football you know head, and we all have those friends that just watch a ton of college football that you know are kind of you go to for like unbiased opinions and stuff. And he was like, "Man, if you get Jaden Daniels back for another year, I mean, the with how comfortable he looks at this moment in the offense, I mean, the sky is the limit. I mean, you you don't know what he can come back and do next year. Like it's it's scary to think about. He could be really really good next year if he did come back." And the development that we've seen, I think LSU fans and maybe us too, we're in it, right? And and sometimes it's it's tough to see it uh, for what it yeah. is when you're in it. Um, but uh, if you really step back and look what people around the country are saying, like you know, like you said, there's people saying that, hey, give kudos to Joe Sloan, give kudos to the quarterbacks coach, give kudos to Mike Denbrock, the OC. Jane Daniels is the most improved quarterback in the country this year. So where he was at at Arizona state, where he might've been in the off season, where he was to start the season to where he is now, you can see that they've coached some things into him where he couples that with his experience, his natural abilities, all that. And now getting comfortable in this offense with the players around him. Um, you see it improve every week. So yeah, I would imagine it could improve a lot over the course of an off season. Um, yeah. So I do think that there's a chance he comes back next year, but obviously I don't know for sure. Um, Drago, uh, again, asked, why do you think Ali Gay hasn't made much of an impact this year? You want to take that? You've had some thoughts on him. Yeah. I, he was never an elite pass rusher. Um, and so I, I think I've said before, I think he's fine, if not good in the run game. Um, the thing is at that position, I felt like they really, even against Ole Miss in the first quarter, they really struggled to get a pass rush, um, across the board. And so I don't, I'm, that's not all on Ali Gay, obviously, but, there's just he's not as smooth of a pass rusher as you want. He doesn't have those moves that you want um, off the edge. So, and I think this defense needs pass rushing, which we talked about before. They need guys to get off the edge and, and get to the quarterback. This isn't a, this isn't a defense that you can just rely on. You know, your secondary to make plays and bail you out. They need dynamic playmakers on the defensive line, and so Ali Gay just hasn't quite been that. So, you know, assessing why he hasn't been good, I think, is tough because it depends on your standards for him. I think coming into the year, a lot of people had him as one of the better players on the defensive line. You know, I, I did, but uh, maybe I was wrong. Maybe that was fool's gold, but he is, he's just so athletic that I kind of hoped that he could put it together. I think that was well said. Fair enough. Um, he's still going to play, but I just yes. think that as you noted, his impact is in the run game, which sometimes is felt a little bit less than when you yeah. see a guy out there racking up the sacks or tackles for loss. Um, Mogo asked about, will 40 start and play a ton against Bama? We, Harold Perkins, we answered that. Um, maybe doesn't start, but play a ton has to be part of the answer at this yeah. stage. It just does. Um, yes. Hold that Tiger 23. It looked like DeMario Tolan, another freshman linebacker. In fact, the other freshman linebacker they signed, replaced Penn late in the game against Ole Miss. Seemed like he played well. Do you think we'll see him start along Baskerville moving forward? Uh, definitely not. I don't think. Tolan's going to be if you're if Harold Perkins isn't starting, Tolan's not starting. So <clears throat> I think the staff likes Greg Penn. Greg Penn can almost be like an Ollie Gay in the sense of like he's in there to stop the run. He's not an incredible sideline to sideline guy. You don't want to get him into coverage. So you know, as yeah. a young guy, he's got some things you like, but he's not a complete. He's not a Baskerville. Yeah, he's only in his second year too. Uh, Penn. I mean, that's what I'm saying. And look, Penn, Penn, I think, could have a Damone Clark type thing. Like Early on, LSU fans just did not like it when Damone Clark was out there. And then his senior year, he's the best player on the team. I'm not saying Penn's headed for that, but Damone Clark was the one who told me that. He said, look, I know what early struggles are. And, and last year, he was talking about after this was at the end of last year, he's sort of doing a review of the linebackers. And he said, Greg Penn is not perfect right now, but – he will work his way now as a starter, work his way through kind of an SEC season this season, and then he'll start to be a really good player. So I think that House and guys like Clark, who lead the room a year ago, see Penn as a very valuable piece. Like, I think the actual people who are in the building like Penn a lot more than some frustrated fans who, you know, can see that he struggles at times, certainly in coverage. Yeah, I, I don't think – well, Tolan won't replace him as a starter, but it is interesting to watch the the linebacker room – continue to change it feels like every single game you know <clears throat> west weeks still plays a little bit not yeah as he, much. he's back that was after a yeah. few weeks of missing to, or a couple games maybe mm -hmm. of missing time yeah he was back so 
Weeks is back in, in the mix a bit. Uh, Toland's getting thrown in there. Um, I think we have a question about Mike Jones at some some point during uh, towards towards the end, so we'll we'll save that. But that's a yeah, name the, I forget about, man. Yeah, it is. Uh, I'd like to see what that snap count was. Um, not much. Yeah, I, I don't much. remember being out there a ton. Uh, Bourbon and Cheerios. What are you being for Halloween? I have no Halloween outfit. Matty B, what are you being? Uh, I do not have a Halloween outfit either, unfortunately. Last time I dressed up for Halloween. Well, it was a Halloween party, like, I don't even know how many years ago. And I just wore my Monte Ginobili jersey, and then I, I cut out a piece of paper and put a bald spot on, on my head for Manu. So. Way too young uh, to have an actual bald spot, so you're good yeah. there. Uh, yeah, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a Debbie Downer. I just don't have any Halloween plans yet. I mean, um, do you sit on your balcony and hand out candy to people around the neighborhood, or do you just – You know what's funny is – you keep the light uh, off. live in like, a neighborhood, but – No, I'm not t- turning the light off. But we don't have any trick-or-treaters. I think it's because we don't have sidewalks. They usually go to neighborhoods with sidewalks. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I yeah, don't know. people do I move around for Halloween nowadays, I think. <clears throat> go to different neighborhoods. So Ship them all to the big neighborhoods. That's what we do. Um, let's see. Mr. Virgo, what do you think clicked for the offense? This is really kind of a two, two week question here. What a general how, question. Yeah. How really good they've been for two weeks. I'll say that I think that the O line is blocking better than they had at the start of the season. Um, but I think one major thing for me would be Jaden Daniels is trusting himself. He's sitting in the pocket a good bit more. Um, I know he ran a lot this past weekend, but that was probably the most designed mm-hmm. runs he's had all season. And they said that was a point of emphasis with Ole Miss playing three down linemen that they were just going to take what they gave him. So uh, I do think from a passing perspective, though, that we've seen the past two weeks, like it was very evident that even Brian Kelly said it, uh, even receiver said it, even uh, Jaden had talked about it, that he wasn't like he was waiting till guys got out of their breaks and then they turned around and looked at him and then they were open by a couple steps. Then he threw it. Now it's I'm throwing to them before they're out of the break. If it's, if, you know, if something goes wrong, so be it. And nothing's really gone. It, it's not like the world has ended now that he's decided to be aggressive and trust his receivers and all that. So I think it's the maturation of Daniels as a player the, and what they've coached him through the past couple of weeks that have made a difference. And you, you think about the throws just off the top of my head. I, I rewatched the game this morning. You think about the throws that he made that I don't think, I'm not sure he would have made uh like earlier in this season you had the brian thomas one early in the game that got the pass interference on the left side uh, i think another brian thomas one on the right side that got uh, pass interference i think it was brian um and then you have the jerry jenkins touchdown where he was open but the safety was closing in relatively fast and you know i i didn't think it was the strongest it wasn't the strongest display of his arm on that throw because it was a little underthrown but it was again it was a, it was a throw where maybe he doesn't make that three weeks ago four weeks ago weeks ago but now he he is so that's just three off the top of my head that i thought were interesting and they all resulted in positive yards so um yeah i mean him and then if you want to give credit to the offensive line which i think we probably should at some point for this offensive line to i mean still be intact with dellinger out to be playing at this level i think is just a huge kudos to uh brad davis and and this offensive staff for I mean, playing to their strengths and masking maybe any weaknesses they have on the offensive line because I don't even—I didn't even notice during the game or during the rewatch any times where the offensive line stood out. Like there were times against Florida where they stood out. I mean Auburn, but this was might be the one of the cleanest games of the year for the offensive line. Yep, and shout out uh, run game which has gotten going um, yep. the past couple of weeks for sure. Uh, Hunter Fournette, any info on Emory's knee issue that kept him out Saturday? No, we didn't ask Kelly about that after the game. Um, and we don't meet with him today because it's a bye week, but we'll see him Tuesday after practice, so we'll ask then. Um, but it sounded like from asking around, it might have been something in pregame warm-ups because he was a go, and then the broadcast said that they basically overheard Emory on the sidelines telling other running backs, like, I don't know, my knee's flaring up on me, whatever it was, and Zach Evans on the other side evidently didn't play because he was banged up, so yeah. – and I don't know if it was serious because he was out there and fully dressed. It sounds like he might have just tweaked something in pregame and sat it out. But we'll know for sure there when we talk to Kelly on Tuesday night. Um, Tigertown 13, another injury question. When will Seven Banks be back? I won't be surprised if Seven Banks doesn't play again this year. But I don't know. Maybe. Thoughts? I mean, it was a nasty injury, obviously. 
but then they likened it to what Major Burns is going through. Major Burns is going to miss a little more than a month. So, I mean, if that was the same timeline, maybe middle of November, like last couple of games, um, hell, he could play in the last couple of games and a bowl game and still take a red shirt because I think the first game he played in, he got hurt, right? Major Burns? Oh, I'm sorry, no, seven banks. Seven seven yeah, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah seven banks. Sorry. Uh, yeah, no, I think when he right. got I mean, hurt, I think was the first game he played. Yeah, four game. Oh no, no, he he played a little bit. I thought in the game before that, I thought okay. he played a couple. So then he still, could play two more games and keep a red shirt, um, yeah, or get a medical out of the season. So yeah, uh, we'll see. But I, I don't think we'll have an update there for a couple more weeks. Um, maybe as we get closer to Bama, they'll say something. But I do not expect him to play against Bama. Uh, Zud the HUD, Bama hasn't played well on the road. They've committed numerous penalties. Do you see a repeat of this? How will the crowd affect the game? Uh, speaking of effect, well, how are the great have an effect on Bryce Young? Met Harold Dark, the great. Young's sure. a, he did mean Harold the great. Uh, but Young's another matter. Yes, Young's a lot better than Jackson Dart. Um, okay, first off on Bama, I, Bama is a heavily penalized team this year. And a lot of times they do shoot themselves in the foot. Like I think Tennessee game had some questionable calls. and uh, But they've penalties for Bama have been a bit like special teams for LSU this year. It's kind of just like ever, it always seems to be something. Um, and it doesn't look like the discipline Bama that they're <clears throat> typically running out there. Now you've got a couple of weeks to prepare here. Certainly they're drilling home, uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we'll have to wait at the time we're recording this. It's like 10 AM. So the game times for Bama have not come out, but we're presuming it will be a night game on ESPN as Tennessee, Georgia will draw the 230 CBS slot. So I would say that the crowd has an absolutely massive effect on this game. Um, huge, like the biggest all year. And then will Harold Perkins have an effect on Bryce Young? I can't see how he won't. I mean, he's made his job is getting into the backfield and getting pressure. And that's what uh, he's done so well at. So, you know, Bryce Young isn't uh, free of, of having a linebacker run in his face, but Young's, Young's the best quarterback they'll play this year. So see yeah. how he handles that. He's he will be a lot better handling the pressure than Jackson Dart. Yeah, I mean, definitely. To to go back to the beginning of the question, Bama hasn't played well on the road. Yeah, I mean the Texas game wasn't great, but then they throttled Arkansas with Young missing missing basically, you know, half, three fourths of the game. And then they lost to Tennessee by three in a game they could have won. So they're not not playing great on the road. Uh, in a game still, they should have won, probably, to be honest. Yeah, probably should have won. I mean, not playing great on the road is still uh, barely losing to Tennessee, beating the brakes off Arkansas with a backup quarterback. And then, obviously, the Texas game was 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 what it was, but still pulled that out as well. So, um, yeah, it, it'll be a lot of Bryce Young making plays. I mean, Jameer Gibbs, which we know, again, this isn't breaking news to anybody, but Young and Gibbs have been pretty much the entire offense for them this this year. So. We'll see how, how it plays out. Um, uh, here's your question about linebackers. So I'll let you take this one. LSU Houston or HOU. Uh, in your opinion, what was the reason behind DeMario Tolan, who we talked about a bit earlier, true freshman linebacker, getting more reps? Is it was Penn was underwhelming? Has he worked himself into a second string spot alongside Weeks? Is Mike Jones now third team? Um, your thoughts? I mean, we know they yeah. have that base nickel package, but mm. obviously you've talked about a linebacker rotation. Where do you see – Tolan fitting in now and where's Mike Jones fitting in? Yeah, I it's it feels like Mike Jones is third team. That's what it seems like in the game when you watch it. You don't see Mike Jones anymore. You've seen Tolan, you've seen Weeks, uh, we've seen Baskerville and we've seen uh Penn pretty much as the four guys. So I maybe Jones is is some sort of injury or something like that. I don't we haven't heard anything about that and he hasn't been asked about it because Mike Jones just hasn't been a a prominent name at all and it's it's sad because of the expectations that I that were placed on him coming into the year I just I this is for this reason and I'm always hesitant to assume players take massive jumps over the offseason I think uh whenever we start previewing basketball whenever I start doing that I think you know that's kind of a theme for me is like I don't rely on players taking massive strides forward um but and it's still we expected him to be a little bit more impactful than what he's been. So, but yeah, Tolan, I think there's we heard some good stuff out of him from the um, the, the summer and the fall. So there's no reason to think that Tolan's not becoming more and more ready. And I think we'll be competing for that spot. Kind of 
heck, Penn played a lot last year as a freshman too. So it's not unusual that freshmen get snaps. It's just how they continue to develop. No doubt. Um, so yeah, the, the whole linebacker room has been interesting. We haven't really seen uh, Colby Fields emerge there as a transfer yeah. uh, into any real playing time. So it's kind of been a group of about five of them. Uh, Tiger Town 13, how mobile of a quarterback is Julian Sagan, who's a 2024 quarterback target? Seems like our staff likes a quarterback that can escape the pocket if needed. And, Howard and Daniels are two guys they recruited and are both mobile. Thanks. Um, I'd say coaches like every quarterback escape the pocket. Um, Sagan would be the, at this stage of his career, the least mobile of that group. At least he's a very much pocket passer right now as a junior. I would say Ricky Hollins, who they have committed right now that's coming in, is about as close to Jaden Daniels as any of the top 15 quarterbacks in the class. He's very, very much a off-platform, can get out of the pocket, can throw on the run, um, can pick up first downs with his legs. Uh, so I think that they would like that, but that doesn't mean that that's the only route they go. Like Howard is mobile, but Howard's a pocket passer too, so – uh, I would okay. say Garrett Nussmeyer is kind of mobile in a sense that he's not a statue, um, but again, a pocket passer. So I don't think there's really a an exact mold of a quarterback that they would want every single time. I think that they are looking for guys who can just get it done and uh, they can throw the football uh, and then they go from there. Uh, LSU uh, Houston you, again. Good. If you see um, if you see Julian saying throw the ball and you see him as a quarterback, I don't think you're worried about his legs too much. No, I mean, no, he's he's a great pocket passer. Let's see. All right, let's, LSU let's Houston see. again. Any early feedback on Emory's injury and return timetable? We talked about that a minute ago. We we have not heard anything. It just sounded like a knee issue. It may be nothing at all. So two weeks off should probably be enough. I would bet he's playing against Bama. And if he, if he's not, it was something serious. Uh, Nola fan thirty three. A bit off topic. The atmosphere is great, but still tennis seats against a top ten team on a beautiful Saturday. Is there anything that pushes LSU to reduce capacity? Uh, reducing it by 10K to 90 to a, would be a great start. 90 to 92,000 would be a great start. Having a more comfortable stadium could push some fans to actually stay. I completely agree with that. They are not going to ever reduce capacity considered they built it to hold what it holds. Um, but I think that LSU, like a lot of schools, got caught up in the arms race of building big stadiums. People have every game on their TV at home. They have a bathroom at home. They've the home viewing experience is as good as ever. That's why you're seeing teams uh, put light shows and all these different uh, in, in the stadium and making the in-game experience really cool, which kind of makes you want to go. Uh, but I don't think there's any way of going back. Like you can't, you can't put it back. You can't tear down some of the stadium. You can't rope parts off for people not to go to and sell tickets at. I just think the reality is, is, teams should not have been building stadiums with over a hundred thousand people. They're just not going to be packing that out anymore, even when you're good. So I would say the ideal would be 70 to 80,000 people and you'd sell out every game. I don't know. That's my take. I am. I am. I am the wrong person to ask about this because what I saw in that stadium on Saturday was fantastic. And I was one of the great highlights of my life. So. I am uh, well, the wrong person. North Texas has not packed it out like that, guys. So, uh -huh. and, and really what matters if, if that, here is y'all are all spoiled. Everyone who's listening is spoiled. I, I just, I mean, I crowd. sat there and I'm like, yeah, there were spots up in, at the at the top, you know, obviously it was sprinkled around, but like the lower bowl was full. I mean, I, I mean, the second half, I mean, at times, yeah, there were some spots here and there, but like insane. I was just, it was amazing to me. There you go. And it was well, loud. Matty B. And they stayed It engaged. was loud. It was loud. Um, Coachella, best educated guess of when they get their next commitment. Do you think, quote unquote, being ahead of schedule, perception wise, helps more with this class or the next class? So what he means by being ahead of schedule, uh, Vegas thought this was, you know, put this as a seven win team, There's which would be seven and five. Uh, they're six and two right now. So obviously pretty ahead of schedule there. Uh, perception wise, does that help more with this class or the next? I think both would be the answer. Um, and when you're talking about the next commitment right now with 22 commits and high school wise, you're on a lot of guys who are sort of just, and we're talking about seniors, 2023 class. You're on a lot of guys who are kind of going through the tail end of their recruitment, making final visits, all that getting lined up for early signing period in December. Um, 
by sheer numbers, let's say there's like five or six more high school guys they'll take, that then you're just kind of playing a waiting game. It's not a shock that no one is committing. And in fact, they haven't landed a commitment since the season started. And I was talking to some sources over the weekend about that. And I had expressed that I thought that that was a really good thing because before the season, we talked to so many players, uh, Matthew, Billy, and I, uh, mm. recruits, I mean, who yeah. said that the staff told them the team wasn't going to be very good this year, like expect struggles and guys still got on board and they were sort of braced for a potential seven and five season, you know, where you have a Tennessee game where you get run out or, or whatever, but you have Florida state where you lose the opener. And I think kids knew, look, we're not expecting perfection. This is just the ground floor of what they're building. Um, and because of that, they, they, the bulk of the class is done. They've got 22 guys. They haven't had any decommits. Yes, not adding any new commits, but that's a numbers game. There's just not a lot more guys are going to add. Um, Toviano, like, is a guy who says he could do it at any point, but then again, he hasn't done it. Um, yeah. DJ Chester, an O-lineman, is kind of waiting until the end. I think he's going to announce it a bowl game, an All-American bowl. Um, yeah. Nicholas Harbor is taking a bunch of visits. Uh, Isaac Smith, who they just hosted this past weekend, is a safety uh, that is still taking visits. So uh, I think we're kind of in pause, but that's not a bad thing. In fact, that's a really good thing because that means the you're not panicking and having to to press nonstop to get new kids committed. The bulk of this class is uh, is in the is done and has been done since before the season began, which I thought was a really good idea. Um, Cordell asked if we thought Perkins will spy Bryce Young. We'll start and spy Bryce Young, as Matthew answered. Depends if they start in their base nickel, then he's probably not starting, but he's going to play a lot and he's going to be used as a pass rush guy a lot. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm I don't know if you want to call that spying or if he's just going after the quarterback. Uh, half I feel time, like you have so. to get to, I, I think you have to get to Bryce. I mean, as much as it makes sense to you want to like, yes, in theory, you would love Perkins to just be able to, to spy him. And, you know, in case he leaves the pocket, you can get to him. But if you can't sack, if you can't get Bryce Young on the ground, I don't, think you have a chance here like that uh, spying is great but if you're only bringing three against against him then i don't know if that's the the answer um okay we only got a couple left uh let's see lgz contender next year if jane daniels is back i think so well 100 percent. considering that right now they don't not have a very i still do not think this is a very like, good team now i think they're becoming a better team as the season goes on brian kelly said it the team you see in September and October is not the team we'll have in November because they will have gelled more. They bring in more transfers than anyone. They have a whole new staff, new coordinators, new starting quarterback. You know, that's a lot to get on the same page. I think they're growing into a really good team kind of before our eyes and, you know, a solid team. Good, not great, but uh, yes. And I guess I say that to say they're about to enter November with a chance so if you win, if you beat Bam A&M in Arkansas, you're going to the SEC championship. Like nobody would have said that before the season began that yeah. LSU would be in a spot in November to still be in contention for the West. So yes, if you get a guy like Jaden back, who's played very well the past two weeks, uh, next year, and then your whole team has another year playing together. The staff has another year of continuity. You bring in some freshmen, uh, bring in some transfers. Yeah, I would absolutely think this team should be competitive next year and, and they're kind of still competitive this year into November, which makes me feel good about that. Uh, Brian O2, uh, what's the feeling like around the program? They got to be feel, feeling pretty good as they start to find a groove. Can you elaborate more of the booty impact of being bought in? I thought the whole conversation with him and BK about the post game locker room talking points was fascinating. It shows me a lot of who he is in BK as well. Um, what's your thoughts, Matty? You heard what he was saying about Butte after the game. Yeah. I, I love how fans have come around on Kayshawn. Like it's from the off season to early in the season where he struggled and then I cleaned his cleaned his uh, Instagram and everybody was completely bought a, a, out on him being, you know, trans and not transferring, but you know, leaving. They said the seven tradition should be gone, all this stuff. It is amazing. It is amazing how far it's come in the past just four weeks basically. And um I mean, Kayshawn, I think to a degree, he didn't want to be known as, you know, he didn't want to be villainized to a degree. But at, also, I think he, more than that, I think he's just really likes everybody in that room. And he's never been the loud, rah-rah type guy. But I think eventually 
he warmed up to Brian Kelly and he really likes his teammates. And so he's, I think he's doing it for them more so than obviously the fans, but uh, it's been awesome to see. And I think it's a huge impact, huge impact on this team for him to be bought in the way that he is. I mean, it's not only sets an example, not, but it sets a tone for everybody on that team to be like, all right, even if I have one catch for four yards, I'm still here. And it doesn't matter where my draft stock is. It doesn't matter where everybody's saying about me. I'm here because I want to play with y'all. And I think it's huge, especially year one, Brian Kelly, to have to show that you can have that guy bought in for an entire season when it's not going well. I think it just yeah. says says a lot. I was out on the Butte hate the whole time. Like, and we heard it from Kelly after the Florida State game when he had all the drops and they lose and LSU fans are pissed off. They were DMing him, tweeting him, all that, quit the team, lose the jersey, you know, you're worthless, transfer to Bama. And he scrubs his account and gets gets off of social media altogether in a sense. And everyone one then used that as, oh, yeah, see, he doesn't care. Screw him. You know, and Kelly said, look, I sat down and had a long talk with him. And it hurts as the kid who wants to leave the team for him not to play well and then for them to lose. Then he gets back to his locker room and people are sending him death threats, like ridiculous stuff. And it's like in the live thread this past weekend, even after how well he's played, he dropped a third down ball early in the game. Um, and it was kind of contested, but it went into his gut and comes out. Yeah. And people are like, there's Keishon letting down the team again. It's like, man, what, what are y'all seeing? Like he's not, yes, he's had some drops this year. But what people weren't paying attention to, even in that first month of the season when he was not getting fed, dropping balls, all that, when other guys were having success, he was the first person over there jumping on him and celebrating and all that. So, of course, now that he's having big games and, you know, becoming a spotlight player like we know he can be, um, that people are like, oh, he's really turned a corner. And Brian Kelly's just talked about the maturation process and turning a corner. But I kind of think it's, at least in terms of how he showed himself is I don't, I've not been seeing the complaints at the level LSU fans have put on him all season. It Um, hasn't. It's not as bad as people have been saying it was. Yeah. To me, it's not even him turning a corner corner. I think a it's more opportunities, but also it's fans realizing his importance with this program. Like he has continued to stick it out and, I thought that's what everybody wants, right? I thought that's that's what you want at the end of the day as as fans. It's like, you know, even if this guy's not the greatest player, like you take a player like uh, John Trey Kirkland, right, who just embodied everything, wasn't the greatest receiver ever, but just really fought for this state and this team. Well, now you have Keishon Butte out here fighting for this team, staying with this team, being a leader with this team the entire time. And, you know, still there's skepticism. It's like, all right, come on now. We have to we have to be consistent at least to a degree. Yes. Um, I'm a Keishon Butte backer, so and until I bailed on him as player of the week and then he went off at Florida. <laughs> uh but that was for him. I just did that for him. That was for him. Uh Texas Tiger Eleven. Shea mentioned a couple weeks ago uh that it looked like they weren't playing together as a team and had a true team dynamic. I know you guys aren't in the ops building, but do you think but what do you think has changed since and just buying into BK's culture and guys maturing. I think it's more that, like I just, I've said all along, I think it's very tough to call a group of 70-something guys a team when a team is really, like like everybody isn't a team in my mind. Like a lot of people, LSU included, are just a collection of players. A team is someone who's completely bought into a culture, someone who offense, defense, special teams has familiarity with each other, that – they know each other's strength and weaknesses more so the staff does. LSU is doing all that on the fly this year. And I think that they're becoming more of a team as we see them play more and more. And I just think that as Tiger, Tex Tiger 11 mentioned or asked, and I think he's right on both of them. I think it's guys maturing. I think it's buying into the culture. I think it's just more games played allows you to have more repetition and, and more familiarity with each other. And, it goes back to what we said earlier. Uh, Brian Kelly has said it a million times. The team that we you see in September will be worse than the team you see in October. The team you see in October will be worse than you see the team in November. So there's a thought that as the season goes on, because of putting all these different pieces together, new coordinators, new head coach, all that, 
that it would take time, but the development would be there. So I think we're sort of seeing all those facets happen in real time. And now they go into the bye week feeling more like a team than we've seen at any point. And someone, and he just asked before that, uh, Brian did, uh, about the mood inside ops. It's about like everybody else is on the outside where it's, hey, look, we still know that this team is the one that got run out of the building by Tennessee, but they've answered. This team can fight. They go down in a lot of games and come back. They look well-conditioned. So now that you're seeing pieces come together, Jaden playing well, receivers catching the ball, O-line blocking better, run game gets going. Um, defense has been pretty consistent for me all year, minus Tennessee. Um, I just I think that I think that's just kind yeah. of a, a feel of confidence, right, that Hey, we're becoming more and more of a team, and now we've got a six and two feels a whole lot better than four and four or whatever else you could be uh, right now going into the bye week. Yeah, the the only thing I'll I'll add to that, I think, or not even add, repeat. Uh, I think you brought up a good point when you said figuring out the strengths and weaknesses of the players and the units. I think that's what we've seen a lot of over the past two weeks. I think after the Tennessee game, you were able to go to the drawing board, be like, all right, this works, this doesn't past two weeks we've seen on both sides of the ball them figure out the strengths and weaknesses of this team um, even more, which is is huge. Let's see. I'm with you on that. Good coaching, good adjusting, all that. Uh, two more. Famous name is Chances. Nussmeyer transfers now that J.D. Fazi unquestioned quarterback one. I think he's been the unquestioned quarterback one all season. Uh, do we take another transfer or two in the offseason if Nussmeyer does transfer and J.D. Five declares? I don't know why Nuss would transfer if JD5 to yeah. players. So that would be sort of a worst case scenario that I would really wouldn't understand. <laughs> that's why that's why um, I said, Woo. I was like, wow. Yeah, that, that, that'd be a lot going bad. Um I don't know, man. I don't I'm not sh- it's too early to know what these quarterbacks do. Um I think that the only way you're looking at Nuss transferring as a like question that you should be debating is if Daniels returns. And then Ness would be sitting another year, <clears throat> presumably behind Daniels, who would be back for his final year and would have been playing well. Um, yeah, yeah it, it's 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 too it's I cannot play musical chairs with the transfer portal in October. Um, my yeah, mental capacity, my mental capacity does not allow me to do that. However, if any if any quarterback out there, if if yeah, if any SEC quarterback out there wants playing time. I know a school in Denton, Texas, that will be happy to take your services and go go let it fly over there, North Texas. North Texas, baby. Shameless plug. Uh, plug. Any of them are listening. Uh, last one, J. Reyes, 1650. I cringed when the student section rushed the field. Maybe I'm overreacting. Uh, anyway, Matty B and Shay, what are y'all's thoughts? It doesn't appear security could stop even if they tried. What deters students from rushing the field every game? That part's true. Nothing. Yeah. They could run out there every game. You don't, you're not going to staff enough people every single game to put around the entire perimeter to keep people from running on. I think you just have to hope that people understand what the moment is versus the team. And if they rush it, it'd be right. Uh, I loved when the students rushed. The fans started booing, which I'm sure that Jay Reyes might've been one of them as if like, guys, come on now. Like, Went into this game saying Ole Miss was fool's gold. Beat them handedly. They were fool's gold. Now we're running on the field. Um, I think I think for these students, a lot of them at least, like they were in college during – like I've talked to a number of students who are juniors in, in college right now, and they came here in tw- after 2019 season. So it's like they won a natty. Yeah. We're going to LSU. Then it's COVID. You just – you don't even get to go to games. There's nothing going on that first year. Second year, you've got all these restrictions – Third year, kind of COVID's behind you. Uh, they want to rush the field. Student section's been awesome all year, too. They show up early. They stay the whole time. Um, people earlier complaining that the stadium's not full. Not the case for the student section. So am I going to be the old man, get off my lawn, or I guess get off my field in this case? Uh, yeah, I thought it was uh, – I was kind of like, nah, come on, yeah, Come on, man. But then again, I take myself back and realize – if I was 20 again or whatever, I wouldn't give a, you know, what about what any old man was telling me about what I should do when I feel like uh, I want to run on the field. And the players after the game loved it. Cause I, yeah. I guess we got to remember there, those kids age. So they were like, yes. even Baskerville was like, that was so cool. Like saw a bunch of my friends and, and all that. 
yeah I, it's from a from a well it's funny you bring up it's like you know oh we we thought Ole Miss you know was fool's gold and then a lot of people are bringing up oh they've beaten Ole Miss in the past like they've never or they haven't beaten they haven't lost at home to Ole Miss in however many years or whatever I'm like you think any of those students in that in that area ever knew any of this they saw the number seven next to Ole Miss they saw Lane Kiffin on the other side maybe they knew him if that and they said we're going on the field it's homecoming we tailgated all day, all morning. I'm getting on this field. I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. I, I will say, though, that uh, we have – see, you're presuming all the students are not educated enough. Uh, let's see. Where is my either, either Either not educated enough, maybe a little intoxicated. You know, maybe they, uh, who knows well, what's, what's happening. But you can, you can be intoxicated and retain some information. Let me get uh, – Where's my boy? Because we are educating some youth out there. There's a number of current college students at LSU who are members of the site, yes. uh, who follow everything. Oh, man, I, I, I know he posted in. Here we go. Go23, member of the site, student at LSU. Uh, he talked about, he posted on the board, Dale and Austin, one of their commitments, was sitting in the student section for, with us for most of the game. Uh, so Go23, he knew what... Uh, we were saying with the what we were Shout putting out. down about Ole Miss. Yep. So, uh, and he was like should have been yelling. Well, we'll see if he rushed the field or not, or he was yelling at everybody. Get off the field, become a member of the Bengal Tiger for a dollar. Yeah, he's and like, realize this is not that big of a deal. He's got a yeah. That's what he's yelling the whole time while everyone's running past him. Be like, are y'all not subscribed to the Bengal Tiger yes. on three? Yes. We knew this was every Shane yes. Dixon picked them to win, so we shouldn't be surprised. I hope he didn't do that. That would make him pretty uncool. So we'll, we'll hopefully he listens to this pod and we'll get, we'll get an answer and report back there, but oh, um, man. yeah, yeah that good. wraps it up. I it guess we, we went long today, but it's a bye week So no Brian Kelly on Mondays. We'll get him after practice on Tuesday, no player interviews this week. So you'll just have to deal with us fans. Yeah. We, we got scolded last pod for only making it 30 minutes after the game, but you know, mm. I'm not listening to the outside noise, Matthew. Come on now. Good, good, good. You and Kayshawn have that in common. so That's what I'm saying, man. We're dialed in. We're not worried about any of that. Dialed in. Um, But all right, that's all we have for you all this week. Uh, We hope you all enjoyed it. Um, Follow us on Twitter at the Bengal Tiger on 3, at Matthew Bruni underscore at Shay Dixon. Um, Become a subscriber for a dollar for the entire month. I know if Shay just took his hat off, I'll put my hat on. one dollar for an entire uh, year. I'm sorry, did I say month? A year. Still, we're still running it. Uh, the board is popping. The board is doing great over there. We appreciate all of y'all's interaction throughout uh, the season. And yeah, thank y'all for joining us. And we will talk to y'all later.